0: Section 8 of Reincarnation A Study in Human Evolution by Theophile Pascal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reincarnation and the Religious and Philosophic Consensus of the Ages, Part 3 Reincarnation in the Apocalypse The Apocalypse, an esoteric book par excellence, confirms the doctrine of reincarnation and throws considerable light on it. Him that overcometh I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. In another verse it is stated that to him who overcometh I will give the morning star. In the language of theosophy, this means, he who has overcome the animal soul shall, by mystic communion, be united to the divine soul, which in the apocalypse is the symbol of Christ i jesus am the bright and morning star another verse clearly characterizes the nature and the cost of victory to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the hidden manna and i will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it the hidden manna is the ambrosia of the greeks the Kidian of the mysteries of Eleusis, the soma of the hindus the eucharist of the christians the sacred drink offered to the disciples at initiation which had the moon as its symbol conferred the gift of divine clairvoyance and separated the soul from the body the white stone is none other than the alba petra the white cornelian the chalcedony or stone of initiation it was given to the candidate who had successfully passed through all the preliminary tests the word written on the stone is the sacred word the lost word which swedenborg said was to be sought for amongst the hierophants of tartary and Tibet, whom the theosophists call the masters he who overcometh is therefore the disciple ready for initiation it is of him that a pillar in the temple of god will be made in esoteric language the column signifies man redeemed made divine and free who is no longer to revolve on the wheel of rebirths who shall no more go out as the apocalypse says i e he shall not again leave heaven if we examine the text of both old and new testament by the light of esoteric teaching the dead letter often absurd and at times repellent and immoral would receive unexpected illumination and would fully justify the words of the great rabbi maimonides quoted a few pages back origen the most learned of the fathers of the church adds in his turn if we had to limit ourselves to the letter and understand after the fashion of the jews or the people what is written in the law i should be ashamed to proclaim aloud that it is god who gave us such laws i should find more dignity and reason in human laws as for instance in those of athens rome or sparta st jerome in his epistle to paulinus continues in a similar fashion listen brother learn the path you must follow in studying the holy scriptures everything you read in the divine books is shining and light giving without but far sweeter is the heart thereof he who would eat the nut must first break the shell it is because they have lost the spirit of their scriptures that the christians ever since their separation from the gnostics have offered the world nothing more than the outer shell of the world religion neoplatonism the great philosophic body that formed a bridge as it were between the old world and the new was the famous school of alexandria founded about the second century of our era by ammonius saccus and closed in the year 429 a d through the intolerance of justinian theosophical in its origin this school had received from plato the esoteric teaching of egypt and the east and the dogma of rebirth was secretly taught in its entirety though its meaning may have been travestied by the ignorance of the masses to whom only the grosser aspects of the teaching were given it is a dogma recognised throughout antiquity says plotinus that the soul expiates its sins in the darkness of the infernal regions and that afterwards it passes into new bodies there to undergo new trials when we have gone astray in multiplicity we are first punished by our wandering way from the path and afterwards by less favourable conditions when we take on new bodies the gods are ever looking down upon us in this world no reproach we bring against them can be justifiable for their providence is never-ending they allot to each individual his appropriate destiny one that is in harmony with his past conduct in conformity with his successive existences the following is a quotation from the same philosopher dealing with metempsychosis and which compared with the foregoing sentences appear strangely absurd we make no comment here as this obscure question will be dealt with a few pages farther on. Those who have exercised human faculties are reborn as men. Those who have lived only the life of the senses pass into animals' bodies, especially into the bodies of wild beasts if they have given way to excesses of anger. Those who have sought only to satisfy their lust and gluttony pass into the bodies of lascivious and gluttonous animals. Those who have allowed their senses to become atrophied are sent to vegetate in trees. Those who have reigned tyrannically become eagles, if they have no other vice. Porphyry says, The souls that are not destined for the tortures of hell, Tartarus, and those that have passed through this expiation, are born again, and divine justice gives them a new body, in accordance with their merits and demerits. THE FOLLOWING REMARKABLE LINES ARE FROM Iamblichus. WHAT APPEARS TO US TO BE AN ACCURATE DEFINITION OF JUSTICE DOES NOT ALSO APPEAR TO BE SO TO THE GODS. FOR WE, LOOKING AT THAT WHICH IS MOST BRIEF, DIRECT OUR ATTENTION TO THINGS PRESENT, AND TO THIS MOMENTARY LIFE, AND THE MANNER IN WHICH IT SUBSISTS. BUT THE POWERS THAT ARE SUPERIOR TO US KNOW THE WHOLE LIFE OF THE SOUL, AND ALL ITS FORMER LIVES, and in consequence of this they inflict a certain punishment in obedience to the entreaties of those that invoke them they do not inflict it without justice but looking at the offences committed by souls in former lives which men not perceiving think that they unjustly fall into the calamities which they suffer proclus gave out the same teaching he affirmed that he had been incarnated in nicomachus the pythagorean in his commentary on the golden verses of pythagoras hierocles expresses himself thus the ways of the lord can be justified only by metempsychosis demasius and hermias as also their masters proclaim their belief in rebirth here a short explanation must be given of what has been said regarding transmigration or metempsychosis in order that all misunderstanding may be removed neither pythagoras nor plutonius nor any of the great teachers of the past believed in mentum psychosis as it has been described all their disciples have affirmed if and these affirmations set over against the line of teaching which seems to contradict them because it is incomplete and intended for the less intelligent person of society at the time, ought to have reminded its opponents that there might be hidden reasons capable of explaining the paradox. We must first remember that a veil of strictest secrecy was flung over the noblest and most sublime spiritual teachings of the day. According to Bossuet, the teaching of the immortality of the soul seems not to have been deemed suitable for the Hebrew race and indeed it is easy to understand that no double-edged truth should be taught except under conditions that would safeguard it ptolemy philadelphus exiled hegesius whose eloquent fanaticism had caused some of his disciples to commit suicide at cyrene after a lesson on immortality ptolemy ordered these schools of philosophy to be closed which continued teaching this doctrine for in the case of a people insufficiently developed the instinct which binds to physical life and the dread of the torture that awaits guilty souls in the hereafter are preferable to doctrines of immortality deprived of the safeguards with which they should be surrounded the doctrine of rebirths called for even stricter secrecy than that of immortality and this secrecy was accorded it in ancient times After the coming of Christ, it grew less rigorous, and the Neoplatonists, though obliged to keep the esoteric teaching to themselves, were permitted to throw light on certain points. Timius of Locris, one of the masters of Plotinus, hinted at the existence of a more profound doctrine in the following words. Just as, by the threat of punishment, imperfectly evolved souls are prevented from sinning, So the transmigration of the souls of murderers into the bodies of wild beasts, and of the souls of unchaste persons into the bodies of swine, was taught. And the previous punishment of all these souls in the infernal regions was entrusted to nemesis, karma. Certain modern commentators, though imperfectly instructed in the teachings of Palingenesis— have also seen that the masters of philosophy in the past could not possibly have made a mistake which less far-seeing minds would have avoided dacier says a sure token that pythagoras never held the opinion attributed to him lies in the fact that there is not a faintest trace of it in the symbols we have left of him or in the precepts his disciple lysias collected together and handed down as a summary of the masters teachings Jules Simon also speaks as follows regarding Plotinus. Here we have the doctrine of metempsychosis, which Plotinus found all around, among the Egyptians, the Jews, the Neoplatonists, his predecessors, and finally in Plato himself. Does Plato take metempsychosis seriously, as one would be tempted to believe after reading The Republic? did he mention it only to ridicule the superstitions of his contemporaries as seems evident from the timaeus however important plato may have considered metempsychosis it can scarcely be imagined that Platonius took it seriously even granting that this doctrine were literally accepted by Platonius, the question would still have to be asked whether the human soul really does dwell in the body of an animal or simply enters a human body which in its passions and vices recalls the nature of that particular animal the reasons mentioned by dacier and jules simon form only a trifling portion of the whole explanation but if they are added to the constant protests raised by the disciples of the masters of Pythagorean and platonic traditions against those who said that their instructors taught mentum psychosis in all its crudeness they assume considerable importance and show that although the restrictions of esoteric teaching travestied by the ignorance of the masses may have caused it to be believed that the contrary was the case none the less the initiates from the very beginning denied that human transmigration into the bodies of animals ever took place on this question many of them frequently said that it is the soul which in such cases changes its nature and assumes the passions of animals into which as is said exoterically it transmigrates though it does not enter into their bodies he who believes that he transmigrates after death into the body of a beast or a plant says hierocles is grossly mistaken he is ignorant of the fact that the essential form of the soul cannot change that it is and it remains human and only metaphorically speaking does virtue make of it a god and vice an animal a human soul adds hermes cannot go back into the body of an animal it is preserved from such pollution for all time by the will of the gods mrs besant says as follows in a letter dealing with theosophy and reincarnation the theosophist april nineteen o six EVEN WITH THE WEALTH OF DETAIL GIVEN IN THE HINDU SHATRAS, THOUSANDS OF FACTS OF THE INVISIBLE WORLD ARE OMITTED, BECAUSE THEIR STATEMENT WOULD HOPELESSLY BEWILDER THE PUBLIC MIND. IF ALL THE DETAILS ARE GIVEN, ERE THE MAIN PRINCIPLES ARE GRASPED, HOPELESS CONFUSION IS CAUSED TO THE BEGINNER. WHEN AN EGO, A HUMAN SOUL, BY VICIOUS APPETITE OR OTHERWISE, FORMS A VERY STRONG LINK OF ATTACHMENT TO ANY TYPE OF ANIMAL, the astral body Komarupa, of such a person shows the corresponding animal characteristics and in the astral world where thoughts and passions are visible as forms may take the animal shapes thus after death in pretaloka, the soul would be embodied in the animal vesture resembling or approximating to the animal whose qualities had been encouraged during earth life either at this stage or when the soul is returning towards reincarnation and is again in the astral world it may in extreme cases be linked by magnetic affinity to the astral body of the animal it has approached in character and will then through the animal's astral body be chained as a prisoner to that animal's physical body thus chained it cannot go onwards to svarga if the tie be set up while it is a preta NOR GO ONWARDS TO HUMAN BIRTH, IF IT BE DESCENDING TOWARDS PHYSICAL LIFE. IT IS TRULY UNDERGOING PENAL SERVITUDE, CHAINED TO AN ANIMAL. IT IS CONSCIOUS IN THE ASTRAL WORLD, HAS ITS HUMAN FACULTIES, BUT CANNOT CONTROL THE BRUTE BODY WITH WHICH IT IS CONNECTED, NOR EXPRESS ITSELF THROUGH THAT BODY ON THE PHYSICAL PLANE. THE ANIMAL ORGANIZATION DOES NOT POSSESS THE MECHANISM NEEDED BY THE HUMAN EGO FOR SELF-EXPRESSION, IT CAN SERVE AS A JAILER, NOT AS A VEHICLE. FURTHER, THE ANIMAL SOUL IS NOT EJECTED, BUT IS THE PROPER TENANT AND CONTROLLER OF ITS OWN BODY. Sri CHANKARACHARYA HINTS VERY CLEARLY AT THE DIFFERENCE BETWEEN THIS PENAL IMPRISONMENT AND BECOMING A STONE, A TREE, OR AN ANIMAL. SUCH AN IMPRISONMENT IS NOT REINCARNATION. THE HUMAN EGO CANNOT REINCARNATE AS AN ANIMAL, CANNOT BECOME AN ANIMAL in cases where the ego is not degraded enough for absolute imprisonment but in which the astral body has become very animal it may pass on normally to human rebirth but the animal characteristic will be largely reproduced in the physical body as witness the monsters who in face are sometimes repulsively animal pig faced dog faced etc men by yielding to the most bestial vices entail on themselves penalties more terrible than they for the most part realise for nature's laws work on unbrokenly and bring to every man the harvest of the seed he sows the suffering entailed on the conscious human entity thus cut off from progress and form self-expression is very great and is of course reformatory in its action it is somewhat similar to that endured by other egos who are linked to bodies human in form, but without normal brains, those we call idiots, lunatics, etc. Idiocy and lunacy are the results of vices different in kind from those that bring about the animal servitude above explained, but the ego in these cases also is attracted to a form through which he cannot express himself. True reason, says Proclus, affirms that the human soul may at times find lodgment in brutes but that it is possible for it to live its own life and rise above the lower nature whilst bound to it by the similarity of its tendencies and desires we have never meant anything else as has often been proved by the reasoning in our commentaries on phaedrus there is a note in the vahan on a passage from phaedrus which sheds all the light that can be shed on the question of metempsychosis in the space of a few lines everything is said that may be publicly revealed without trespassing on forbidden ground after stating that on returning from the internal regions the soul passes into the life of a beast and that if it were human previously it afterwards goes into another human body the note continues we must not understand by this that the soul of a man becomes the soul of a brute but that by way of punishment it is bound to the soul of a brute or carried in it just as demons use to reside in our souls hence all the energies of the rational soul are absolutely impeded and its intellectual eye beholds nothing but the dark and tumultuous phantasms of a brutal life this passage contains the explanation of what might be called the metempsychosis of certain human souls at the present time we once heard a great teacher fully reveal this mystery to a chosen group of hindus but it must for some time to come remain a mystery to the western world All that can be said on the matter is that it has nothing to do with the incarnation of a human soul in the body of an animal, but rather with a certain temporary karmic bond, in the life hereafter, between a human soul and an animal one, a bond intended to teach many a hard lesson to the one who has brought upon himself so unpleasant an experience. Metempsychosis included many other facts in human evolution— facts that were plainly taught to the disciples of the inner circles of the ancient schools and passed out to the confused medley of public teaching the astral body for instance of a man of an exceedingly passionate nature when the soul leaves the physical body sometimes assumes forms resembling those of animals which represent these passions on the physical plane and so the disincarnate soul of an assassin has been said to pass into the body of a wild beast metempsychosis properly so called that is to say the passing of a human soul into the body of a brute did however exist during the infancy of the human race when highly developed animal souls were becoming fit to enter the human kingdom the bodies of these newly born souls were coarse and rudimentary in their nature showing scarcely any difference in form and organic function from the bodies of the higher animals of that period for these instruments were very similar to one another. The improvements subsequently effected by human bodies did not then exist. The difference or distinction, which has now widened into a gulf, was scarcely perceptible, and in the early incarnations of these rudimentary human souls, backslidings and falls were so frequent that some of them, thus enfeebled, might find it to their advantage to become incarnate, at times in highly developed animal bodies. But that was always an exception, and the exception has long ago become an impossibility. We think these explanations, along with those given in other portions of this work, will throw as much light as is permitted publicly on the subject of mentum psychosis, a subject frequently discussed and one that has hitherto been so obscure such illumination as here given is due to the teachings of theosophy the early christian church the documents to which we have access dealing with the philosophical and religious history of christianity in the first few centuries of our era are so questionable that we can place but faint reliance upon them if we would really become acquainted with the thought of that period we have already seen that the number of spurious or counterfeit productions was so great that a strange kind of sorting out or selection took place at the first council of Nicaea, resulting in the choice of four so-called conical gospels it is evident too that the copyists compilers and translators of the period were anxious above all else to make facts and opinions agree with their preconceived ideas and personal sympathies or likings each author worked pro domo soi emphasizing whatever fitted in with his personal views and carefully concealing what was calculated to weaken them so that at the present time the only clues we have to guide us out of the labyrinth consist of the brief opinions expressed by a few historians here and there on whose honesty reliance may be placed in the present chapter for instance it is no easy matter to unravel the truth from out of these tangled threads of personal opinions some believe that the early christians and the fathers of the church were reincarnationists others say they were not the texts we are in possession of contradict one another thus whereas st jerome brings against origen the reproach of having in his book de principis taught that in certain cases the transmigration of human souls into the body of animals was possible as indeed seems to be the case certain writers deny that he ever said anything on the subject these contradictory affirmations are easy to explain once we know that rufinus when translating into latin the greek text of de principis omitted all that referred to this question that the conspiracy of silence might be preserved on the matter of originian transmigration at the close of his article origin on reincarnation in the theosophical review february nineteen o six g r s mead says it therefore follows that those who have claimed origin as a believer in reincarnation and many have done so confounding reincarnation with pre-existence have been mistaken origen himself answers in no uncertain tones that stigmatizes the belief as a false doctrine utterly opposed to scripture and the teaching of the church others affirm that st justin martyr believed in rebirths and even in the transmigration of human souls into animal bodies In his book Against Heresies, Volume 2, Chapter 33, the absurdity of the doctrine of transmigration of souls is dealt with, and in the following chapter, the pre-existence of the soul is denied. Is this another instance, like the one just mentioned, of tampering with the writings of this father of the church? At times an author gives two contradictory opinions on the same subject, in tertullian's apology for the christians for instance we find the following if you can find it reasonable to believe the transmigration of human souls from body to body why should you think it incredible for the soul to return to the substance it first inhabited for this is our notion of resurrection to be that again after death which we were before for according to the pythagorean doctrine these souls now are not the same as they were because they cannot be what they were not without ceasing to be what they were i think it of more consequence to establish this doctrine of the resurrection and we propose it as more constant with reason and the dignity of human nature to believe that man will be remade man each person the person he was a human being a human being in other words that the soul shall be inhabited with the same qualities it was invested with in its former union though the man may receive some alternation in his form the light which daily departs rises again with its original splendour and darkness succeeds by equal turns the stars which leave the world revive the seasons when they have finished their course renew it again THE FRUITS ARE CONSUMED AND BLOOM AFRESH. AND THAT WHICH WE SOW IS NOT QUICKENED EXCEPT IT DIE, AND BY THAT DISSOLUTION RISES MORE FRUITFUL. THUS YOU SEE HOW ALL THINGS ARE RENEWED BY CORRUPTION AND REFORMED BY DYING. HOW, THEN, COULD YOU IMAGINE THAT MAN, THE LORD OF ALL THESE DYING AND REVIVING THINGS, SHOULD HIMSELF DIE FOREVER? AFTER SUCH A CLEAR AND NOBLE PROFESSION OF FAITH, we may well wonder if it were the same man who in Anima, could have both refuted and piteously ridiculed the idea of rebirth and denied the separation of the soul from the body as well as the influence of the former upon the latter we prefer to believe that we are dealing with two writers or else that some literary forger anxious to create a diversion deliberately made tertullian responsible for this strange contradiction another reason for the difficulty in unraveling the tangled skein of the religious and philosophical teachings prevalent in the early centuries of christianity is the lack of precision in the language of the writers the loss of the key to the special vocabulary they used and the veils which writers who possessed some degree of initiation deliberately threw over teachings which could only be given to the masses in general terms there is one very important point to consider and this is that in the earlier centuries outside the circles of initiation there was not that precision which present-day teaching of theosophy has given to the doctrine of reincarnation this latter in the mind of the people became confused with the doctrine of pre-existence which affirms that the soul exists before coming into the present body and will exist in other bodies after leaving this one this confusion has continued up to the present time and we find schools of spiritualism in england and america as well as in other countries teaching that existence on earth has been preceded and will be followed by a great number of existences on the invisible planes in reality this is the doctrine of rebirths though there is nothing precise about the teaching WHETHER THE SOUL HAS A SINGLE PHYSICAL BODY, OR TAKES SEVERAL IN SUCCESSION, IT IS NONETHELESS CONTINUALLY EVOLVING AS IT PASSES INTO MATERIAL VEHICLES, HOWEVER SUBTLE THE MATTER MAY BE. THE DIFFERENCE IS, THEREFORE, INSIGNIFICANT, UNLESS WE WISH TO ENTER INTO DETAILS OF THE PROCESS INVOLVED, AS WAS THE CASE IN THE WEST IN THE EARLY CENTURIES OF CHRISTIANITY. DID THE FATHERS OF THE CHURCH TEACH PRE-EXISTENCE? there can be no doubt on this point in a letter to saint anastasius rufinus said that this belief was common amongst the early christian fathers arnobius shows his sympathy with this teaching and adds that saint clement of alexandria wrote wonderful accounts of metempsychosis and afterwards in other passages of the same book he appears to criticize the idea of plurality of lives st jerome affirms that the doctrine of transmigration has been secretly taught from ancient times to small numbers of people as a traditional truth which was not to be divulged a frank quotes this passage on one eighty four of his kabbalah hewitt too gives it in orginana the same father proves himself to be a believer in pre-existence in his ninety-fourth letter to avitus where he agrees with Origen on the subject of the interpretation of a passage from St. Paul, and says that this means that a divine abode and true repose are to be found in heaven, and that there dwell creatures endowed with reason in a state of bliss, before coming down to our visible world, before they fall into the grosser bodies of earth. Lactantius, whom St. Jerome called the Christian Cicero, though he opposed pagan doctrines maintained that the soul was capable of immortality and of bodily survival only in the hypothesis that it existed before the body nemesius bishop of emesia in syria stoutly affirmed the doctrine of pre-existence declaring that every greek who believed in immortality believed also in the pre-existence of the soul st augustine said did i not live in another body or somewhere else before entering my mother's womb in his treatise on dreams sinesius states that philosophy assures us that our past lives are a direct preparation for future lives when invited by the citizens of ptolemaeus to become their bishop he at once refused saying that he cherished certain opinions of which they might not approve as after mature reflection they had struck deep root in his mind foremost among these he mentioned the doctrine of pre-existence dr henry moore the famous platonist of the seventeenth century quotes Sicinius as one of the masters who taught this doctrine and Bosover reports a typical phrase of his father grant that my soul may merge into light and be no more thrust back into the illusion of earth St. Gregory of Nyssa says it is absolutely necessary that the soul should be healed and purified, and if this does not take place during its life on earth, it must be accomplished in future lives. St. Clement of Alexandria says that, although man was created after other beings, the human species is more ancient than all these things. In his exhortations to the pagans he adds, We were in being long before the foundation of the world. We existed in the eye of God, for it is our destiny to live in Him. We are the reasonable creatures of the divine Word. Therefore we have existed from the beginning, for in the beginning was the Word. Not for the first time does He show pity on us in our wanderings. He pitied us from the very beginning. He also adds, Philolus, The Pythagorean taught that the soul was flung into the body as a punishment for the misdeeds it had committed, and his opinion was confirmed by the most ancient of prophets. As regards reincarnation, i.e., the descent of the human soul into successive physical bodies, and even its temporary association with the physical bodies of animals, more than one Christian writer advocated this teaching chalcidius quoted by borsobra in the book just mentioned says the souls that are not able to unite with god are destined to return to life until they repent their misdeeds in the *Pistis sophia a christian treatise on the mysteries of the divine hierarchies and the evolution of souls in three worlds we find the doctrine of rebirth frequently mentioned if he is a man who after passing out of his body shall have come to the end of his cycles of transmigrations without repenting he is cast into outer darkness a few pages earlier in the same work we find the disincarnate soul which has not solved the mystery of the breaking of the bonds and of the seals is brought before the virgin of light who after judging it hands it over to her agents receivers who carry it into a new body Let us now see what Origen says on the matter. Celsus, then, is altogether ignorant of the purpose of our writings, and it is therefore upon his own acceptation of them that he casts discredit and not upon their real meaning. Whereas, if he had reflected on what is appropriate to a soul which is to enjoy an everlasting life, and on the idea which we are to form of its essence and principles he would not so have ridiculed the entrance of the immortal into a mortal body which took place not according to the metempsychosis of plato but agreeably to another and higher order of things the teaching of origin is not easy to set forth clearly for he is very reticent about many things and employs a language to which present-day philosophy cannot always find the key still the teaching seems full and complete it comprises pre-existence and even those special associations of certain human souls with animal souls which we have just spoken of and which form one of the chief mysteries of metempsychosis in the following words he explains the existence of souls in previous worlds the soul has neither beginning nor end rational creatures existed undoubtedly from the very beginning in those ages which are invisible and eternal and if this is so then there has been a descent from a higher to a lower condition on the part of not only of those souls who have deserved the change by the variety of their movements but also on that of those who in order to serve the whole world were brought down from those higher and invisible spheres to these lower and visible ones, although against their will. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 So that both sun and moon and stars and angels might discharge their duty to the world, and to those souls who, on account of their excessive mental deficits, stood in need of bodies of a grosser and more solid nature and for the sake of those for whom this arrangement was necessary this visible world was also called into being this arrangement of things then which god afterwards appointed not being understood by some who failed to perceive that it was owing to preceding causes originating in free will that this variety of arrangement had been instituted by god they have concluded that all things in this world are directed either by fortuitous movements or by a necessary fate and that nothing is in the power of our own will it is not rational that souls should be introduced into bodies in accordance with their merits and previous deeds and that those who have used their bodies in doing the utmost possible good should have a right to bodies endowed with qualities superior to the bodies of others all souls will arrive at the same goal it is the will of souls that makes them angels men or demons and their fall can be of such a nature that they may be chained down to the bodies of animals certain souls on attaining to perfect peace return to new worlds some remain faithful others degenerate to such a degree that they become demons concerning bodies he says THE SOUL, WHICH IS IMMATERIAL AND INVISIBLE IN ITS NATURE, EXISTS IN NO MATERIAL PLACE, WITHOUT HAVING A BODY SUITED TO THE NATURE OF THAT PLACE. ACCORDINGLY IT AT ONE TIME PUTS OFF ONE BODY WHICH WAS NECESSARY BEFORE, BUT WHICH IS NO LONGER ADEQUATE IN ITS CHANGED STATE, AND IT EXCHANGES IT FOR A SECOND. ALTHOUGH menton SOMATOSIS, re-embodiment OF THE SOUL, i e the true teaching of origin was not clearly expounded it considerably influenced the early christian philosophers and was favourably received up to the time of its condemnation by the synod of constantinople it appeared in most of the sects of that time and in those of the following centuries Simononians, basilidians valentinians Marcionites, gnostics Manicheans, Priscillianites, Cathari, Patarans, Albigenses, Bogomiles, etc. Chivalry, too, in these ages of darkness and persecution, was an instrument for the dissemination of esoteric doctrines, including reincarnation. The heart of this noble institution consisted of students of divine wisdom pure devoted souls who communicated with one another by means of passwords the troubadours were their messengers of the sacred teaching which they skilfully concealed in their songs carrying it from group to group from sect to sect in their wanderings sons of the teachings of the albigenses and of manichean Marcion tradition they kept alive belief in the rebirths of the soul Eyes are in the monk in his book history de un heretique apostrophized an Albigensian bishop in the following terms tell me what school it was in which you learnt that the spirit of man after losing his body passes into an ox an ass a sheep or a fowl and transmigrates from one animal to another until a new human body is born for it isorn was acquainted with only so much of the teachings of the troubadours as had got abroad and been distorted and misrepresented by ignorant or evil-minded persons still his criticism plainly shows traces of the teachings of palingenesis in the darkest and most bloodstained periods of the middle ages the inquisition put an end to the troubadours though certain of them dante and st francis of assisi for instance by reason of their popularity or special circumstances of the case, were left in peace. In Europe, the secret teaching was continued by the Rosicrucians. The Roman De La Rosa is a pure Hermetic esotericism. The struggle of official Christianity, that of the letter against those who represented the spirit of the Scriptures, raged ever more bitterly and the idea of rebirth disappeared more and more from the church its sole representatives during the middle ages were st francis of assisi the learned irish monk johannes scotus erigina and st bonaventura the seraphic doctor at the present time there remains nothing more than a disfigured and misunderstood fragment of this idea the dogma of the resurrection of the body islamism it has been said that the arabs believed in reincarnation before mohammed forbade it some however think that the koran was written only after the death of the prophet and that the latter committed nothing to writing but taught by word of mouth besides it is clear that mohammedanism is an offshoot of zoroastrianism and christianity like these it teaches the unity of the whole the divine presence in all creatures and things ubiquity predestination which is only one form of karma and resurrection which expresses one phase of palingenesis mohammed like all great mystics had discovered or learned many of the truths of esotericism The verses of the Koran that refer to the companions of the cave indicate that he knew more than he taught in public, and that there may be some ground for certain Asiatic nations holding the exaggerated belief that he was an avatar, the tenth incarnation of the Alm, the Ahmed, the nation's desire. HE WAS A DISCIPLE Had there not been in the heart of Islamism a strong germ of esoteric teaching, sufism would never have sprung from it the sufis are the saints of mohammedanism they are those who aspire after the union of the individual eye with the cosmic eye of man with god they are frequently endowed with wonderful powers and their chiefs have almost always been thermaturgists the new quran a modern exposition of part of the secret doctrine of islam shows the correctness of this view in it we find the following passages on the subject of palingenesis and when his body falleth off altogether as an old fish-shell his soul doeth well by the releasing and formeth a new one instead the disembodied spirits of man and beast return as the clouds to renew the young streamlets of infancy when a man dieth or leaveth his body he wendeth through the gate of oblivion and goeth to god and when he is born again he cometh from god and in a new body maketh his dwelling hence is this saying the body to the tomb and the spirit to the womb this doctrine is none other than what god hath taught openly from the very beginning for truly the soul of man goeth not to the body of a beast as some say but the soul of the lowest beast goeth to the body of the higher and the soul of the higher beast to the body of the savage, and the soul of the savage to the man. And so a man shall be immortal in one body, and one garment that neither can fade nor decay. Ye who now amend to go out of this body, wept also when ye were born into it. The person of man is only a mask which the soul putteth on for a season. It weareth its proper time, and then is cast off and another is worn in its stead i tell you of a truth that the spirits which now have affinity shall be kindred together although they all meet in new persons and names in asiatic researches Colbrook states that the present mohammedan sect of the borhas believes in metempsychosis as do the hindus and like latter abstains from flesh for the same reason thus we find the doctrine of reincarnation at the heart of all the great religions of antiquity the reason has remained in a germinal state in recent religions christianity and islamism is that in the latter mohammed did not attain to the degree of a hierophant and in all likelihood the race to which he brought light did not greatly need to become acquainted with the law relating to the return to earth life Whereas in the former the real teachings of the Christ were lost when the Gnostics were exterminated and eusebius and Irenaeus the founders of esoteric christianity unable to grasp the spirit imposed the letter throughout the religion end of section eight